Welcome to the Write It Down podcast with the 1513 Network. I'm Brooke Murata, bringing you one-on-one interviews to challenge, inspire, and encourage. Up next is the visionary and founder of the 1513 Network, Ethan Sansoni. Ethan is the guy who helped me in the very beginning start with Pod and has believed in me since day one. Over the last year or so, Ethan gained more responsibility becoming general manager of Frogbones Family Shooting Center. However, his heart and vision for his network has continued to increase. If you haven't heard his story yet, you'll be super challenged and inspired by his dreams and determination. He also hosts a show on this network named TATS. The 1513 Network started with the TAT Ethan got with his buddy, but it doesn't end there. So sit back, relax, and get your pens ready because this is Write It Down. Welcome to the Write It Down podcast with the 1513 Network. I'm sitting across from Ethan Sansoni, E-Money Sansoni. Welcome to the studio, to the network, to my show, to this friendship. How do you feel? Uh, we just spent uh, 14 minutes <laughs> fighting, and then you just magically was like, hey, girl, let's start. Yeah. So um, I'm, I'm not comfortable, but I can get comfortable. Okay, I'll make you feel comfortable. This is how we're going to start. We're going to clue the audience in what we were talking about. Yeah. You hopped right into the studio telling me I had crazy eyes. Oh, it's pretty much Nate. Is this when you could go back and just play exactly what I said? Because that's the beauty of no, you said that you said, have you ever looked in your eyes and do you see crazy? And I was like, no, Oh, I forgot your background's journalism. So you are a (laughs) master at taking things out of context and applying it how you want. What did you say? I you asked me if I was going to make eye contact. Right. And I said sometimes, but mostly I don't, because sometimes when you look into people's eyes, people's not Brooks. They have crazy eyes. Like there's crazy locked up in there. If you've ever looked at a certain set of eyes, you ever go downtown Melbourne and you see that someone that's like maybe homeless or that's been on the streets or drunk or on drugs. And have you ever looked in their eyes? Yes, but I don't. What do you see? Crazy. Okay, so we're done with this part of the conversation. This was the context. Ethan, are you just going to zone out basically and not because you weren't making eye contact with me when I was talking to you, Yeah. which I was like, hello, mommy's yeah. talking, make eye contact. Right. You were zoning out. And then you said, well, sometimes people's referring pretty much to me. Eyes yeah. are crazy. Yeah. No, I, I was speaking more about my general philosophy about eye contact. I wasn't referring to us in this conversation. Thank so. you. So you're going to make eye contact. If that's what makes you happy. Uh, thank you. But it's not my, it's, it's not one of my strengths. <clears throat> like I wasn't taught that growing up and it's actually something that I have to work at, which is like making eye contact, staying in eye contact because I, I tend to trail off and look, look other ways and think and talk. So it's something I can work on. Because you're just disinterested in what people are saying. Sure. That's what I was trying to say. We're, I just couldn't formulate the words, but thank you. You're welcome. I'll be yeah. doing that the whole show. Yeah. Um, so question about your childhood. Yeah. Were you a hoodlum? Was I a hoodlum? Yeah, where you're just like, you were the punk kid? Um, I kind of get that vibe. I think growing up in Arizona uh, when I was younger, I don't know if I was a hoodlum. I probably was a little bit, but more a church kid. Really? Um, Yeah. I was a church kid. Me and my brother went to private school. I mean, we were boys for sure, but I I wouldn't say I got into any serious trouble until I was older. You want to go into that now? I, no, I was just answering the question. I can go into whatever you want me to go into whenever you want no, me no, to. No, no, no. We'll ease the crowd in. Okay, so okay. you grew up in Arizona. Why do you have ties to Philly? Because when I was nine years old, I moved to Pennsylvania, where my dad was from. Okay. 
Sorry, I looked down and I didn't stay locked no, in on your that eyes. that like, made apologize. me feel very insecure. Yeah. You guys can't see this, but Ethan makes about one second eye contact with me and then gets scared and looks away. That's what, if every, anybody that knows me knows that's my Thing? MO though. I don't, I'm not a, like a deep eye contact person. What are you? If you had to describe yourself. What am I? Yeah. Cause uh, you've said I'm, a lot of what you're not. A mess. Okay. We don't need to go into all that. All right. Okay. All right. So Arizona moved to Philly. What brought you to Florida? Uh, My uncle had a marine construction business in St. Cloud, Florida. And actually, we came down here when I was like 15 for soccer. And Uncle Ron was a lot of fun. And so uh, when I was 18, I was getting in trouble or 19. I wanted to get out for the summer and get away from like my my friends and mm-hmm. the world that I was kind of like living in. So I came down for the summer and just did hard manual labor, liked it and did it the next summer and then just made the jump. So what got you involved in all that trouble? What was that life like? Describe 18 year old Ethan. Um, I like to blame my parents. <laughs> divor- <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I like, like to tell me your trauma as I laugh. Sorry. No, um, my trauma, <laughs> as as you laugh, is being just stuck in this room, <laughs> having to make eye contact, not having to make eye contact. <laughs> no. So I um, am your trauma. No, no, you're. Say something nice. I, I you know. You can do it. You can do it. No, you're not my trauma. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you're just my worst nightmare. Yeah, no. Oh, that's so kind. Okay, so tell us trauma. 19, 18, getting in trouble. Why? Um, I think when I was 15, my parents divorced is when I just like my my house split. And so my mom worked a bunch and I was unsupervised. My brother was unsupervised and we just rebelled. We just did what we wanted. Drank, got alcohol, you know, like slept with my girlfriend, got into drugs, smoking weed, selling weed, you know, just a hoodlum. So what brought you back? To like real life. So you say you grew up a Christian school, mm-hmm. church life, parents mm-hmm. get divorced, go off the wrong path. What ultimately woke you up one day? Because now you started a network that's based off a scripture verse. So like there's got to be some form of events, things that happened in your life. And honestly, like just a maturing that's happening in your your heart and all that to get you to this point, to get you on my show. Right. Honestly. Um, maybe this is rock bottom, bro. <laughs> Maybe this is where <laughs> this I This is your wake up call. <laughs> um oh, no, man. I you know, I don't know how everyone is, but I I've had many little wake up calls. I've had some mountaintop wake up calls for sure, but um I, I wouldn't look at myself right now as like completely woke and having it all together. <laughs> <laughs> Not woke in that sense, but I know um, what you mean though, but there's little things along the way or maybe people along the way. That yeah. just kind of go, why am I, why am I living like this? What were some of those, maybe one well, of the defining yeah. moments? Well, there was one defining moment when I was like a summer when I was 20 and I got a bunch of DUIs and I uh, got a bunch of driving on a suspended license and I lost, I had to go to court and ultimately had to go to county jail and, and was put on probation and had to do court mandated like counseling. And so that, that forced me to evaluate my life I kind of I probably secretly needed some sort of wake-up call to get caught um so that helped me I would say that helped me fix my um or address my outward issues Mm -hmm. and it was the first time I ever went to counseling so I I started 
to uh, look into your like, soul. Yeah, and, and to sit across the table yeah. from someone and, and be told things about yourself or learn things about yourself. So that was the beginning of it. But I'd say the pivotal moment where I actually like made my faith my own and realized who Jesus is and, and what he did for me and why I needed a savior was probably when I was like 20, 28. And um, I basically slept with another man's wife when I was 28 years old. And it was, I had done so many terrible things in my life, but I always thought I was like a bad kid or a good kid just doing bad things. And then when that happened, I realized like at my soul, I was just a bad individual, bad to the core. My heart was wicked. Like the Bible says, your heart is wicked and deceitful. And I realized that and I knew that I couldn't um, behave my way out of it or discipline my way out of it or manipulate, manipulate my way out of it. And I needed something someone and so that's when faith became real to me that's when the person of jesus and what he did on the cross and as a savior kind of like just when i kind of gave my life to him Mm -hmm. for real so you definitely in in your life had to experience grace and i I mean we've chatted about this like a little bit um because i'm very like performance to the core kind of behaviors and, and things like that, which aren't necessarily a bad thing. I mean, it's, well, it's harder. It's harder for you. What to be perfect. No, I think it's, I think, I think I have, I had it easy because I was, I came face to face with the fact that I couldn't perform. Yes. But like in the Bible, like the people that it was hardest for to see who Jesus is, were the good performers. The Pharisees were great performers. So you calling me a Pharisee? Kind of like you looked I mean, I like you, you didn't make eye contact that. with me this whole time, and then you're so. like, yeah, kind of like the Pharisees, lock eyes, crazy eyes. I mean, do you ident- when you read the scriptures? Do you identify with the woman caught in adultery? Do you identify with the Pharisee? Ooh, that's good. Um, I don't <laughs> identify myself as a woman caught in adultery, but I think the last like year or so, I have been. In like a very beautiful way, like not a self-deprecating way, mm-hmm. but like, oh my gosh, like the way that Jesus's compassion is for her, it is for me. Mm-hmm. And so I think that has helped um, change my own self-talk because a lot of times you think your self-talk is potentially like the strong God voice in your head when all reality, like it's your voice and, um, so like, yeah, I definitely like notice my tendencies, but when I hear stories like yours or, um, just people that didn't do all the right things, Mm -hmm. I mean, for lack of better words, I mean, I'm not saying I'm above, I'm a sinner. The stuff I've done is, is the same as the stuff you've done in God's eyes. But as far as like society and going to jail and, you know, doing all those things, because I haven't had to encounter, I've been able to kind of keep my image up better than some people that you really can lack grace for yourself and lack grace for others. And so I think that for you with your story, I'm sure, and I don't want to put words in your mouth cause that bothers you, but I know I'm weird like that. <laughs> Most people are cool with it. Most people love it, <laughs> Yeah, but it's probably fostered a lot of compassion in you for you to be able to see guys that were like you or even just women and just be like, I get it. Yes. Yeah. I just dealt with that at work and had some issues with somebody and we ultimately had to let them go for things that they did. And I had to lead and direct that. 
Um, but in a one-on-one conversation with this person, that's they knew I had to do my job, but they said, you know, I, the one thing I don't feel from you is judgment, mm. you know? And it, it is true. Like, it's hard to judge people when you've been forgiven, when you're aware of what you've been forgiven of. Of, yeah. And when you're aware of it. Yeah. So for you, what's, what's, who is somebody in the Bible that you probably identify with the most? Your life, your testimony, and how God's come through for you, even though we messed it up at times. Hmm. That's a good question. I think at various times, different people, uh, one of the person, one of the people that, um, I'm thinking, so I just look off. No, it's I'm fine. Sorry. I'm, I'm fine. Everything's fine. Um, I'm secure in who I am. I don't need eye contact. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Thomas was somebody that really affected me when I started really getting into the Bible again. <clears throat> Thomas was someone who struggled with doubt. Thomas was somebody who uh, called out to God or to Jesus when when um, when Jesus came back and, and all his friends were like, yeah, Jesus came back. You missed him. He's real. And he was like, unless I actually like put my hand where his scars were and see him, I'm not going to believe. So Thomas was somebody... Um, Obviously, Peter, because Peter was just, uh, he was zealous for, like, he, he, he wanted, he made a lot of promises that he couldn't keep. Mm-hmm. I've done that a lot. Um, David, I like, David is somebody who has simultaneously done wonderful things for God, but in the same breath, from the same heart, from the same man, has done atrocious things. Um, Nehemiah, a builder, somebody who, has the passion to build something, dream, have vision, and then execute it. Uh, so I, I don't know. I like. I think. I, I think I like the Bible because it has a bunch of different characters that I think we all at various times in our life can identify with. Mm-hmm. Um, I. I'll be honest. I've never connected with Paul. I don't. I don't no. necessarily like Paul. <laughs> I think so, we've chatted about this yeah, before. Yeah. Um. Paul scares me a lot. I like. will say. You know. Lord, love you. Love you in your word. But Paul sometimes really scares me. I think I'm getting in trouble because I mean, he's what he did was incredible. I mean, Mm -hmm. he's planting churches and basically writing letters to churches to freaking wake up. And there's so many different letters at time in seasons of my life that like helped me. But I'm like, man, he's intense. It's not his intensity doesn't bother me. He just seems, I just, mm, he seems like (laughs) very, a little arrogant and prideful, which I'm sure I know I'm arrogant and prideful, yeah. but I don't like, uh, yeah. Well, I, that's what I feel about, um, John. Like I love John because he's got this confidence. Like he's super cocky. It's always like, yeah. And John, the disciple who Jesus loved, like, it's always like in yeah. like parentheses or yeah. a comma or like, yeah. And Peter, and then the disciple that Jesus loved, yeah. but he's like writing about himself, Yeah, which I, I love that approach because he's just like, it's who I am. I'm yeah. loved. And I think that, well, I mean, kind of hopping into that. So for you coming to Jesus, wasn't this big, angry guy in the sky mad at you. Mm-mm. So what was that approach like for you? Uh, like just, when him coming to you, like in revealing himself, love, grace. Cause I think it's easy for us or maybe just talk to a performance based Christian woman across from you of He's not this guy that's coming down on you all the time. He meets you with grace and love. So what was that moment like for you? Uh, yeah, that's, I guess that's a, that's a really good question. Um, I think if you're a person who knows that they can't perform, mm-hmm. 
you let go of the idea that you can perform. Oh, this is deep. Yeah. <laughs> so for you looked into my soul. Sorry. Right there. I mean, you want me to look you in your eyes and talk. You're so like, this you is know? it. Yeah. Yes, I get it. <clears throat> yeah. So for me, I, I never, I never had the illusion that I could perform my way to God or please. Not, I don't want to say never, but you lose that when you when you do these. I guess outward, like you said something earlier on that, like I know, or no, you said that, that my sin and your sin are the same in God's eyes, Mm -hmm. which makes sense. But do you believe that about my sin and your sin? Right. That's a different thing. That's a different reality is like, you know, we know that's how God thinks, but do we think like that? Because once we think like that, now we're truly thinking like God. And then that can, I think that can lead you into this reality that you can't perform. Like you cannot perform like the, I just read a quote today from, uh, there was this pastor who fell five years ago, Perry Noble, and he had a huge church call at New Spring and he secretly struggled with alcoholism and got booted from his church that he began and um, went into rehab. And so I follow him on Instagram. He's kind of an interesting follow, Mm -hmm. but um, he started a church. It's, It's like five years ago today or this week that happened. And he was writing about that, and he said that he never thought that he would kind of get it all back. Like, he lost his marriage. God brought him a a, a wife. He lost his church. He started a a new church called Second Chance Church. Oh, wow. And he had this quote that talked about second chances, because that's the name of his church. And he said, and I'm going to butcher it, but he said something along the lines of, like, many— I know everyone believes in second chances— but a lot of y'all still believe that you deserved a first chance. Ooh. And I thought that was so good mm-hmm. because I think it does speak to the, the performance or the, mm-hmm. the, the Pharisee mindset of like everyone, everyone thinks they deserve that first chance. But like when it comes to God's eyes, nobody deserves a first, second, third, fifth, 10th. Mm-hmm. That's why every chance from God be the first or the 20th is, is grace. It's like, just, you're just grateful for it. Yeah. It's grace that got you there. It's grace. that will keep you there. And that's something I'm like talking to myself through and through. And I think like, I mean, I've heard it said before and I'm going to butcher this too, but if you think you understand grace, then you definitely don't. And that has been super impactful for me because I'm like, I know that like today is a gift. And then if I wake up tomorrow, there's going to be grace all throughout that day as well. And so what it's teaching my eye to do, and you know, scripture says, if you seek him, you'll find him. If you seek him with your whole heart, I feel like most of my life I sought him from, um, most like, like circumstances instead of like moments in my day or moments in my conversations with people or just like real, like even at a stoplight, if I, if somebody kept going and could have almost hit me, like that's grace. Like Mm -hmm. I didn't deserve to live. And so it's like shifting your perspective from this deserved mindset to like, I don't deserve an ounce of what I have right now. And so it fosters this heart of gratitude and compassion for others. Um, I think it's definitely something that challenges me not to like play the role play the role, but more or less like experience the gospel every single day, which starts to change your relationships, which starts to change your heartbeat behind what you do. Um, I think the, the biggest thing, and I'd love to like pick your brain on this too, but like, what is your, for lack of better words, opinion on like church image and church, like to you, what is church to you? 
Well, <clears throat> right now is a weird time in my life because I, I feel <clears throat> that um, I'm not like connected to a church. I'm not regularly attending a church. I'm not um, volunteering at a church or anything like that. So it's kind of an interesting time personally as I'm trying to figure out what my next move is and how I want to reconnect with the the organized church, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I was part of a church for many years and served and uh, did all kinds of things at a church. And then just it, that kind of fell apart and I haven't reconnected in that way. So I'm still trying to figure that out. And I think that's that I'm not alone in that. There's a lot of people like that right now in my, in my, the people that I know. Um, and I, I've been listening to a podcast about, um, there was this one church called Mars Hill back in the day. And this guy led it, Mark Driscoll. And it's this podcast about that. And, and that all fell apart. And what I'm noticing is this, uh, parallel between, I guess right before the resurgence of those churches happened, all the churches that we kind of like look at elevation or just the bigger churches Mm -hmm. that all started in the early two thousands and are, or late two thousands and are kind of popular. Now there was this atmosphere of unchurched or underchurched or church hurt basically that created those booms in the church world. And I kind of feel like we're in that right now. I feel like there's this season where, there's a lot of people that are tired of church as we've known it for the past however long, however long, <clears throat> and are looking to do something new. They just don't know what yet. Yeah. So that's that's. I think a church. I think a church is. I think Jesus talked about this. The like, church is not like a business. It's not an organization. It's not. It's a body. I yeah, it'll it outlast anything, right? Yeah. Like. The biggest company in the world right now, Amazon, it's hard to imagine them falling, but the numbers say that every big company falls eventually. Every big company will fall. There will be a day where Amazon no longer exists. I know that's hard to believe, but that's true. That's not true of the church. No. The church will never, never um, fall or fail or stop. It's been around since Jesus left. It'll be around till he comes back. So that tells me that it's really important to understand, to be a part of, to be connected to. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's a little bit of, I think, for all of us that are that know that there's always anxiety when you're not currently connected to that. But there's also anxiety or frustration when you are and you want it to be better and you want it to improve and you you want you have these lofty goals for it. So I've, I've definitely been on both sides of yeah. it. But but I credit the church to a lot of my growth, a lot of my maturity, uh, a lot of my friendships, all yeah. of my friendships. This whole podcast network is pro- is a result of, I, I believe, being connected at the church and, yeah. and learning things at the church. So um, it's done a tremendous amount for me personally. Yeah. 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 And just like the, the ebb and flow of life, like I grew up going to that same church for a long time. And then we started a home church for like four or five years as a family. And then I went off to school and I was involved in a different church. And so I think the the biggest thing that I'm learning, and this is just probably like, and everybody's going to have their own opinion. Everybody's going to have their own um, just kind of refining in this area of life. Um, and so like you said, like church will never not be a thing. Like Jesus said, the gates of hell will not prevail. Um, the church. And so I think about that of like, okay, so in my life, I have seen 
the church, quote unquote, not the four wall, like be the four walls in my life. Meaning like it's like this body of believers of, you know, we're act like we're bearing each other's burdens. It's kind of like acts in the beginning. We're breaking bread. We're getting together. We're talking about just the things in our life that we need to pray for. We're, you know, collecting money to help others like that was like the basic level. And so I was like, man, I've been I've been privileged to be a part of that before for a few years. And then I've also been privileged to be a part of organized, more organized groups of like, oh, I'm a VBS leader and I work at the nursery and I go sit in a sermon. Mm -hmm. And so what I have found in my my own life is that like and it's the same with anything, but there's just seasons, there's seasons of life to everything. And I think that you if you have this this knowledge of knowing that he's never going to leave you or forsake you and he has you surrounded and encamped with people in your life that will always journey through with you that have the Holy Spirit as well. I don't think I think that kind of for me at least nixes the anxiety level. For instance, mm-hmm. like you're not super duper involved right now, but the people that you were are still in your life praying for you, talking to you, um, encouraging you with this job that you're in right now. And so it's like it's it's just taken a different shape, I should say. And I think yeah. that takes a little bit of the pressure off because pressure, I think, really, again, comes from performance. So if you're thinking that that church is a place that you have to attend and perform and, and you're good if you continue to do that for the rest of your life, I think you're missing the juice of the actual church, mm-hmm. like the juice of the body of Christ of, of there's just been people in my life recently that don't even know some of the stuff that I was like journeying through that will just call me and be like, Hey, I felt like the Lord told me to pray for you right now. And I'm like, I've never even been at a church with you, like an actual church building with you, but that doesn't negate that they're the body of Christ. Yeah. And so I think that has been something this like beautiful undoing. And I know it's not just me. I know a lot of people are going through this, especially because COVID shut it down, like shut down, organized anything. Yeah. And the church obviously survived that because it, it's going to survive everything. That's just inevitable. Whatever comes out of Jesus' mouth is truth. And he said it. So that's always going to be the case. So I think that also takes the pressure off of us is, is this like you think about when Jesus did um, the miracle, the five loaves and the two fish and the disciples are like, we want to do the work of God. What is the work of God? And he's like, the work of God is that you believe the one who had sent. Mm -hmm. And so when you take that pressure off of the work and put it on the belief I believe Jesus said the gates of hell are not going to prevail the church. And so it takes this like, okay, I'm, I'm in, I'm like grafted into his body. And that doesn't mean we don't, anybody who's listening, this does not mean that it negates your responsibility to find believers in your life. And to, if, if you're called into a church by all means, that's what God called you to do. You go do it. Obviously Mm -hmm. this is not me like saying one's better than the other, but I think for for if you're a fly on the wall and Ethan and I's conversation, we've had conversations like this a lot because of maybe just the, um, just the path that God has us on right now in our life. It's not what it has always been, which is kind of uncomfortable. And you're like, Oh shoot. But then you're able to, again, to kind of spot the grace a little easier, I think, than the constant going and going and going. Like for my life, God's had to slow me the freak down like really slow me down and just show me like, Hey, I created you for the purpose of my glory, but also for our enjoyment and our fellowship. And I wasn't fellowshipping with him. I was just doing the things that felt like fellowship. And like to think that God created every single person to enjoy a relationship with them 
is like pretty awesome. And it sets the tone for, again, then that sets the tone for your behavior. It's not, oh, I behaved to get to this certain level. It's like God knit me in my mother's womb and has a purpose for my life. And it just kind of changes the whole entire narrative, I think, from, oh, I, I did I did the right things, you know. And so anyways, I feel like your story, because it's very polar opposite to the way that I, I grew up, I, I'm challenged by it. And I'm also excited to continue to share it here because I think that your testimony probably can reach people that mine can't. We're going to take a quick break to discuss Write It Down's brand new website. You can head over to widpod.com, W-I-D-P-O-D.com, and see all the goods. You'll notice a banner at the top of the page that says learn more. If you click that link, it'll show you how you can support Write It Down. P.S. My favorite part about the website is the Wid Wall, which is a collection of all the Write It Downs from the show. This podcast is made possible by the 1513 Network. So show the network some love and support by listening to their other shows. If not, just stick with Write It Down because I'm the coolest, the realest, the illest. Now, back to the show. So you've shared a lot of your dirt, so to speak, um, for lack of better words, but you're ultimately sitting in a podcast studio called the 1513 network for a reason. God's given you vision. God's given you amazing friends in your life that have helped you journey through this. So kind of tell us the story of the network and the guys in your life that helped you start this. Um, yeah, it just started with Jackson Edwards, who I was going to bring today. <laughs> and he ghosted us. He ghosted us, but, um, it just was a tattoo. We were going to Miami and we were actually at a conference in Miami, um, a Christian conference, and he was like, I found a tattoo place, and it was the sketchiest tattoo place, and it had a stripper pole in it, and Love we it. went on our break and just got these tattoos, and it was a just a joke, just like um, their crew tats, but it was just two people. So we did that for the longest time, harassed a bunch of people about getting it, and then some people started getting it, and, and then it was, it was kind of just... It, it started to snowball and I realized like we realized really that this uh, is bigger than just a tattoo. It's bigger than just Jackson and mine's friendship. Um, it can represent. Uh, well, first off, the verse represents what Jesus did for us. Right. Mm-hmm. And one of the you've inspired me to like start recording again. But one of my favorite questions in, in the podcast um, tats is what does 1513 mean to you? And I get to ask all these people with a tattoo what the verse means to them. And I love just the various answers and different perspectives on that verse. And um, it's talking about Jesus laying his life down for mm-hmm. us. So it kind of sets the tone for what real friendship is about. Uh, it explains who Jesus was. Yeah. Um, it's a popular verse in the military community because of actual, like it's the that and like first responders, it's like one of those verses that can capture what a first responder may do, what a police officer may do, what a military veteran may do, which is like die for somebody else or right. lay their life down, down. for somebody else. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's there's a lot of powerful imagery um, in that verse as as we relate to God and man, but also as we can relate to one another. Like mm-hmm. you know, f- people that struggle. Um, getting friends or having friends or keeping friends. I think the easiest piece of advice I've ever heard about like having friends is just be friendly. Yeah. I think it's a proverb. 
it's like those who have friends are friendly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and don't make friendship and I'm guilty of it. Definitely yeah. like about you. Yeah. Make it about them. them. Make it. A, and, and Jackson, it, man, he is like one of the greatest friends ever because yeah. And, and Spencer and a lot of, a lot of my close friends, like I, I was trying to think about why I love just chilling with Spencer. Mm-hmm. And, and I realized what a dirtbag I am when I realized why I love chilling with Spencer. Cause he just loves talking about you. He'll sit across from you and he'll ask you questions about you and he'll want to know about your perspective and he'll want to know about your thoughts. That's the kind of person he is. That's the, that's the way he makes you feel. And if you think about that, that's what, that's what true friendship is, is another person is laying their life down for you. And it could be a sacrifice. It could be buying you a meal. It could be as extreme as giving your life up. So the network really isn't about podcasts. It really isn't about a tattoo. Um, It's bigger than my little friend group. It's grown to... 30 some people. And, and that excites me because I hope, I hope that people make it whatever, whatever it is to them and their group of friends. And they, and they carry that verse and that message. Cause it's not yeah. my verse. It's not our verse. Yeah. It's, it, you know, that's a verse about him. That's Jesus's verse. Yeah. Um, so that's what the network is. It's, it's really not a podcast. Like, to be honest, I haven't recorded a podcast in a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, we know, <laughs> <laughs> but the network's bigger than my ability to record a podcast yeah. or my ability to tell someone's story or my ability to organize a recording session. Mm-hmm. You know, it is goes. Is this you thanking me? Yes. This, yeah. Thank is you it, for, yeah. for carrying <laughs> the torch during this downtime. I'm just kidding. No, I do love that because um, I think in the same passage of John 15, it talks about um, Jesus calling us friends. And, you know, he's, he's talking to the disciples and he's like, I no longer call you slave because the slave doesn't know what a master is doing, but I call you a friend. And, oh man, that chokes me up because <sighs> I've never caught in a podcast, but when you wow. think about this is, this is heavy. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, I also got like a couple hours of sleep. Why don't you start talking? Okay. <laughs> Go ahead. Why? But let's press into it. Why does it make you cry? This is like counseling. Yeah. Dang. I'll tell you. Go ahead. Go. I, you know Gary V? Yeah. He was, he said yesterday he was at a softball or a t-ball game, and this kid's team lost. And one of the little kid was standing on the sideline, and he was crying because like they lost. Me? Yeah. And he walked I'm not over. Losing. Sorry. He he walked over to that kid, and he said. You keep crying because it shows that you care. And so I thought that's beautiful. Like that I'm leaking about Jesus. Well, like it shows that you care. Like if you think that the God of this universe wants to be friends with all of us, like how humbling, like that's it. Like there's, it takes away just everything else of like, and even just the crap that's going on in our world right now. And, the way that we combat it as people, I'm going to lock it up. I'm good now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we don't have to edit that out because that's real. But yeah. if you think about just the way that we are acting with people right now, is it's like, are we acting like we're friends of God? Are we acting like we're here for his vengeance? Mm-hmm. And so I think that starts with the inner person. I think that if you constantly... I don't know if you're just constantly like in this mess right now of social media and comparison and... 
um, just hate and these movements, they mean nothing. Yeah. Like they mean nothing. Even if the heartbeat behind like defending other people is there, but like if you don't have the basic level of friendship and getting to know a person, Mm -hmm. you're not going to be effective as much as like, I want justice for all. And I want just whatever it is. Like if I'm not sitting across from somebody and it could be at 3 a.m., at Perkins or Denny's and I'm not making an impact to know the person I'm trying to relate to. What's the point? Right. I mean, honestly, yeah, we should talk about that. No, I mean, we should talk about that. I, I, I don't, I don't speak up on social media about my feelings about the world. Cause it's like in my mind, it's just going to get lost in all the other comments. Yeah. But I feel, I feel very strongly about all the things that I see. Oh yeah, um, same. And there's some things. There's some. There's a movement that's pushes people to believe that silence is um, approval. Mm. And like that, I'm very passionate about the way we treat people. Yep. Um, I'm very passionate about the people that are abused, the people that have been put down, the people that have been enslaved, the people that have been overlooked. Like all that stuff matters to me. And yet I look at the news, I look at social media, I look at the movements. Yeah. And if I didn't know who I was, I could read that and believe that I'm not doing enough, that I'm not caring enough, that I don't, that because I'm luckily, I think for me, because the the way I grew up that I never did really like fit in or align or perform or do the right things that I think my brain's conditioned to understand that actually when everyone's going left yeah and I'm not that I'm probably that I'm used to that I'm not saying I'm doing the right thing or the wrong thing right, right. but I'm used to not doing what everyone else is doing and so I think I I, I love what you're saying about the fact that there are so many people that are defending people and then they're they're treating others like dirt. In the meantime. In the meantime. Like, and yet that isn't even close to the heart of God. Mm-mm. That isn't even close to how we ought to treat one another. The like 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 I was telling you about the person that did this thing at work and that you know was legitimately wrong. I had to, we had to do what we had to do, but right. it didn't mean that we had to bash that person. Yeah. We didn't mm-hmm. have to, we didn't have to like, this is a person like, I don't want to get too far into it, but when people do things that are awful, that are atrocious, that are that sleeping with someone else's wife, right. stealing, selling drugs, prostituting, shooting people, killing people child trafficking all these things they are and nobody wants to say no one wants to acknowledge this they are as much of a sort of victim as the person they're victimizing because their their mind their body their soul is being um inhabited by by like evilness darkness and darkness and they're they're carrying out things that they I'm not saying that they're not accountable for it. I'm not saying they shouldn't be punished for it. But for uh, other people to take joy in that, for other people to, it's pride. That's what it is. It's people being prideful and not being aware that that there's not much that separates them and that person. People like to feel better 
about themselves by pointing out how awful someone right. else is. Right. And again, that goes back to them not understanding that they think that they earn their first chance or they think that they're performing in such a way that warrants them to be mm. able to look down upon people. And all that stuff really, really, really bothers me. And I don't speak up about it no. much because it's hard to know how to, yeah. it's hard to know how to like jump in and make a difference. But I do believe that at the end of the day, like at my funeral one day, there will be people there that will have been affected, hopefully have been affected by the way that I personally treated them. And that's yeah. enough for me because I think what social media makes you feel like, like you have to lead some sort of large movement, that it has to be public, that you have to get public acknowledgement. And the reality of it is like, you come to my funeral and those are, those are the people that will have been affected by my life. And those are the only people that I'm really yeah, accountable, accountable for. for. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's your circle. Well, and I think too, kind of to speak on what you were saying is like, if you were to say, I really like this table and I were to say, I don't see it that way. Mm-hmm. And then you were to start bashing me. I feel like that just negates your compassion. Right. Like, so I think that's also the thing with some of these things is, or these issues is you can have an opinion, you can have compassion for a, a certain issue or, or anything. But the minute I say I don't and you treat me like crap, to me that negates yeah. your compassion for the things that you are so boldly compassionate for. Yeah. And to go deeper, <clears throat> like I made this table personally. And, and, oh, no, shoot. I'm sorry. No, but seriously. It's an example, Ethan. No, but it, it it's like. If you don't like that table, it's not going to bother me. And that's that's how God must feel. He made whatever whoever you hate, he made that person. And so the fact that you don't like them, it doesn't really affect him. Yeah. He, like, he made it that way mine. for a reason, yeah. and he formed it that way for a reason, and he made that person. And so he obviously cares and loves, loves that person because he made them. Mm-hmm. So when someone else is saying something negative about his creation— it doesn't bother him and like he's insecure and be like, oh my gosh, I should have done better. He's more like, okay, it, it doesn't. Like you literally, your opinion and your thoughts are not my thoughts and opinions toward this person. And yeah. so again, it just it lends to more freedom yeah. of not, again, just wanting to be liked by everybody. So kind of transitioning though, I do want to ask you, is there a time in your life that you have witness or an experience or experience an answer to prayer or like a miracle in your life that was exceedingly and abundantly more than your expectation. Um, besides uh, my uh, show. Yeah. Your show getting this call <laughs> besides our friendship. Yeah. I feel like my life is a big fairy tale in that, in, in that, like I'm thankful that from like 19 to 21 or 18 to 21, whatever it was, I worked in a, teaching hospital. I worked at, um, Hershey medical center center in Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. I got to see a lot of sickness. I got to see a lot of death. I got to see a lot of, um, like this human body is incredible that, that we're sitting here, that our hearts are beating, that blood's flowing, that our eyes are working, that our hands, like if you've ever seen someone lose someone who's been paralyzed, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. unable to move for the rest of their life. If you've ever seen someone suffer from a stroke and lose half of their face and, or if you've ever seen someone with Alzheimer's, if you've ever seen these things and it's affected you. And I feel like for me, I needed that at, at, at that stage in life because what it's done is, is it's helped me realize like I've made it through 40 years 
and I'm walking around and I'm, mm -hmm. and, and I can move my eyes and my brain for the most part's working and mm -hmm. my, my heart's pumping right. and, and like, <clears throat> I just feel like that is more than I deserve. And I see so many people that don't get that chance, chance. That for randomness, for, for the randomness of a car accident, for the randomness of a, um, a storm, the randomness of, of cancer, the randomness of an, of a terrible, like sporting accident, they lose that it's gone. And, and I hate to be morbid and sad, but it's coming, it is coming for no. all of us. Yeah. It, it literally is there. There's going to be a day where, where every single one of us is that person in a nursing home by hopefully if we all, you know, and some people it won't. Yeah. So when we're, when we're not in those situations, like I just try to be, I'm so thankful that that I, that I don't have all these things that other people have. And that doesn't mean that like, um, like God will test us, unfortunately, and, and we will come to those crossroads where we lose the things that we value, whether it be our health, whether it be our loved ones, our friends, our family, our money, our security. Um, and I just want to continue to be grateful for what I have while I have it. Cause when that happens, it's going to have to use that same muscle of gratefulness yeah. and thankfulness. It's not like I then start, learning how to be grateful and learning how to be no. thankful. Uh, it's just like this muscle yep. outside of God, outside of religion, outside of Christianity, outside of all of that, just the, uh, the, the muscle of gratefulness and thankfulness is such a powerful thing. Mm -hmm. And it, you learn it when you have less, I, I believe. Yeah. I mean, it's obviously, it's, no, it's true. You can be grateful in the plenty, but I think it's when you're in the need, that's where you, you foster a heart of gratitude and you start to change. And I mean, I think, I think a lot of it too is like the spiritual term we use a lot is pruning. And this is like a gardening term of like cutting back certain things so that you can have more fruit in it. And then the things that aren't bearing fruit, you, you cut away. Um, just kind of like in gardening, like you would cut weeds away and you don't want them to grow back. But if it was like something that was producing, um, tomatoes or basil, you would prune that some of the dead stuff so it could grow more. And that's, that's the same with, that's just a, whether you're a Christian or not, that's just a principle of nature, mm -hmm. you know? And, and, and that's how we are is there's certain things that when things are taken away from us. It, it continues to um, grow the things that need to be grown and gratefulness needs to be grown. Grace needs to be grown. Love needs to be grown. Um, integrity, all of those things, those, um, and if we're getting scriptural, the fruits of the spirit that they need to be grown and the way that those are grown is if they're gardened and they're tended to. Mm -hmm. And so I think like what you're saying is like having this attitude in this perspective of, it's not like, well, I'm glad I'm not them. It's like, no, I'm not them. So let me be grateful and let yeah. me lend a hand to them as well. Exactly. At, while they're down type of thing. Yeah. I constantly think of there's going to be a season in my future where I look back at this season and go, that was good. Yeah. Like, that was a good season. And yet I was like caught up on some dumb little thing that I was upset about or that I wanted more of or that I didn't have. Like I had this mentality of lack. Mm -hmm. or, uh, like I, for the longest time I, I had to continually say to myself, to God, however you want to, but I lack no good thing. Mm. Now I could tell you things in my life that I lack if we wanted to talk about it, 
But the reality is I really don't lack any good thing. And there'll be a season in the future where I'll look back at this season and I'll go, that season is better than this season. Mm -hmm. And like, I try to tell myself that, that this is really a good season of life. Mm -hmm. And there'll be seasons where it's, it's not as easy to be thankful. And I, so, so I just need to be thankful right now. So I, I think in general, to answer your question is I feel like my whole life has been a very fortunate gift and break from God. Yeah. 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 I really do believe that. I do too. I like literally like that, like you were saying, like lacking no good thing. It's like, I have everything I need at every single moment mm -hmm. and that's enough. And that should be enough. I mean, it doesn't mean you don't have dreams or desires or things that God's placed in your heart and that every single one of those things is not from God. They could be. It's just a matter of realizing that the season that you're in right now is like so rich Mm -hmm. And so good. And there are times in your life where you're like, you know, what? I hope I never have to go through that again. And that's a, that's OK, too. Like not yeah. everything has to. Some people I might be listening might not be in a season where they're like, I'm just I'm ready for the next one. And that's OK, too. If you're going through hardship right now and there's loss or there is um, like this weight on you like that isn't your forever either you know so it's like it's in those times though when you get to the the mountaintops where you can look down and be like oh he was enough for me there mm -hmm. he came through for me there which is why you should write things down slight little plug <laughs> this is called write it down so you can write down where god's come through for you in your life and and things like that because he is so personal and it's good to trace his faithfulness in your life it's easy to hear other people's stories and try to find yourself in it. And it's the same with scripture. You can look at scripture and try to identify as the main character, or you can try to identify the character of God in that person's story and know that's the same character that's able to do things in your life. And so that's just that, like, that perspective change of, I, I hear a lot of podcasts, watch a lot of things. Um, and then you can sit there and try to find yourself in that person's story, or you could try to find God in their story. Know that's the same one that loves you. And I think that can help you change your comparative narrative as well. Um, and anyways, I could go on my own soapbox about that. But um, so anyways, you started the, kind of circling back. We went deep, but you started the network with Jackson from a tattoo. It's grown to more. You have a show called Tats that you barely record for yep. anymore. Yep. How many more people do you have to record with to reach? What have you recorded? Like, I think you've done. 12 or 13. And so you're trying or your, your goal is to interview every single person that gets yeah. the tat yeah. from here on out. Yeah. Basically. So, so your whole life. Yeah. Which is kind of like, cool. once I realized that it'll take my whole life, I, I was like happy about that. I think that's cool. I'm getting into, I would say I reached the group of people that I know most personally, mm -hmm. like the next one that I have to record is, is, is guy named Joe who mm -hmm. I've never sat down with one-on-one. Um, so I'm getting into the, the next group of 10 are people that I know some people I know well, but I know less. And then as it gets out further, it's even less. And so that's kind of like a little exciting too, to sit across the table from someone you don't know who has this tattoo that you didn't directly like you know, influence or ask like there it was, was like a spider web effect. Yeah. 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 So I'm kind of interested in this next, I guess I've done with season one of tats. And so we're, we need to get into season two. Um, so that, that's kind of cool and exhilarating in that sense. And I want it to be like, uh, I don't know, a, a whole body of work, I guess, you know, mm -hmm. over my life that anyone can go listen to, um, 
and learn about this other person who has this tattoo um, and learn about that person through the show rather than like, like I'm curious about these people the same way that like maybe Jackson or, or Brian or Spencer's curious about Joe. They don't know Joe. And so they listen to Joe's episode. And so it's, it's just kind of cool in that sense. Um, mm-hmm. Who knows where it'll go? Yeah. I think it's also telling of who your character is and those who are listening who don't know Ethan. One of the f- like first things that you said to me, I think when I was about to start Woodpod, was that you want this network to not be about you. Like if mm-hmm. somebody talks about the network, you don't want them to associate it with Ethan Sansoni's mm-hmm. name, which I think speaks volumes about who you are. And I think it speaks volumes about um, just the character of like, even when you walk in here, you know, for the most part for the last year or so, it's been me and Nate in here and mm-hmm. a guest and um, sometimes a photographer. Thank you. Shrek and co photography. <laughs> but sometimes it's just me on the phone with somebody and Nate sitting here and it's like, yeah, this is part of his job, but it's also him laying his life down. It's also him taking time out of his day to build a show that's not his vision, you know? And so it's just no matter where you go, like where this goes, it's for now, like the heartbeat behind it is just the simplistic effect of friendship and people doing things for others to ultimately bring glory to God, but bring other people's story to light. And so I think that's just super cool. Um, and kind of to show, I wanted to share a little bit of the background before we wrap this up, but of how this all started, um, me on the network with Ethan, Ethan started, when did you start like this network or your show? Do you think 2018 uh, or yeah, maybe around maybe that time? Like, yeah. Three, four years ago. Yeah. And then, um, I, you were a mutual friend of a friend of a friend, whatever. And I remember she, she came up to me and I had just gotten done with college And I was like, honestly pissed for lack of better words that I was back in Melbourne and I had big dreams to have a show one day and all these different things. And she was like, oh, there's like a podcast studio in downtown Melbourne. I was like, "Okay, like, what am I going to do there? And I remember I I walked in here. I don't remember if um, if Jonathan or Patrick was here. I don't remember what that looked like. But I remember telling you just a little bit about my dream to have a show and this is before anything really big happened I mean some things happened in college that set me up for for better success I should say um but you were like why don't you just start one like okay like I guess I will I wasn't really looking to do that and then my aunt came in uh that was bad what did you think of that interview do you remember that at all I was like rambling for like five hours I feel like with my aunt yeah I I mean but again you were nervous no but (laughs) Listen, You're like, this girl sucks. And I just gave her a podcast. You know, I, you know how they, I'm going to do a slight little tangent, but, yeah. um, in other countries, there are certain countries, maybe it's like Israel or something. They mm-hmm. force you to serve in the military. Is it Israel? Mm-hmm. There's other countries where you have to, it's mandatory military service. Mm-hmm. I think it's super smart for a country when people are forced to do things like that. It makes a country better. Mm-hmm. Our country, in my opinion, used to unofficially force people to build like mm-hmm. like we were a trade-based com- uh, country mm-hmm. people used to build things with their hands we used to have vocational schools like we're we're kind of screwed in the sense that we've gotten rid of our vocational schools we've gotten rid of our building programs one of the greatest gifts i feel like in my life is that i had to build in my 20s like i came down worked for my uncle built docks just building what building teaches you is like when I was watching your first show, 
right? I'm I, thought just I thought you were going to say when you started this, it's like, you know, you have to be forced. I was forced to sit through. <laughs> no, I think what building teaches you is patience. So like the expectation for me when I watched your first show wasn't your expectation for your first show. Meaning yeah. like you're starting something like anybody that's ever started something. Yeah. They don't start at level 10 and perfect. And you know how to like interview and ask people questions and yeah. lead and carry on the conversation. It's an art. It's a challenge. It's difficult. There's preparation involved. There's pauses involved. There's all these little nuanced things that you're just learning and getting better at better and better and better at. So your first episode was just like, it's our first episode. I, I didn't have all I remember thinking in my head was the same thing I say to everyone, which I'm not taking that advice myself right now. Just keep doing it. Yeah. Just keep recording, you know, mm -hmm. keep showing up, listen to it and just adjust the things that you think need adjusted. Give feedback. Yeah. Um, listen to other people. Watch really good interviewers, how they do it. And don't cry. And I, I do want to give you yeah. props for coming up on 50 episodes. Yeah. Like that's no small feet to be able to consistently do a podcast put it out i mean there's so much work that goes into just one, one episode. episode yeah and so for you to come up on 50 like congratulations that's thank really you. cool like thank you're, you you're doing it and you're you're doing what you set out to do which i know brian uh just started doing youtube videos and and that's one of the things that him and i talked about when we met with you is just like mm -hmm. your goal is to do 50 your goal isn't downloads or listens or no. uh, views or whatever like your goal is just to do the 50 yeah and that's where i think it goes back to building is like if you ever built anything it's a slow process and it takes however long it takes mm -hmm. it doesn't we get confused when we put these expectations of time and money on a building project and ultimately if you're going to build something that you want to be proud of it takes as long as it takes and it costs what it costs because you got to look at that for the rest of your life mm -hmm. so uh, that's mm -hmm. how I feel about your podcast. It's cool that Thanks. you push through that first one and you, you just pick yourself back up and you did another one. You mm -hmm. created a new number one episode, right? Cause I that, did. that one never made the light of never, day. It won't ever. So yeah, that was kind of what happened. That was, I think t beginning of 2019 recorded with my aunt. And then that next mu month is when I met Marcus Allen. And mm -hmm. I remember talking to him and all I had was, my logo and like a concept and I told him I recorded with my aunt and he was like that was when it kind of all started and that summer it was just like one after another like he finally came on and then just kept connecting me to more and more and then I I maybe I said it to you or maybe I said it to Jordan um Jordan Snell shout out to you you're the best but I I think there was a point where I was like oh shoot this is real now like yeah. this isn't and not that it wasn't real to me in the beginning at all, but it was like, oh, no, like there are people that are believing in you not in the sense of like putting pressure to like, all right, you said you were going to do this. Now you need to do it. Mm. But it was like one of those things and, and the nudges, I believe, from God that was just like, all right, look, I'm, I'm setting you up for this because I believe that God wants his people to be successful. It doesn't mean it happens overnight, but mm. I do believe that he sets you up for success and, and to prosper and to be a blessing to others. And so it's just really cool to like be sitting across from you. This will be um, episode 49 um, and to just kind of share the journey of the network journey of our walks with God and how they've crossed paths to hopefully um, ultimately like, um, and sorry, inspire other people to have a relationship with him. Mm -hmm. I think at the, the basic level of like, 
yes, we have dreams, we have visions, there's things, but it's like that verse, like greater love has no man than to lay down his life for his friends. And if people could understand that one man did that for them, we did, we did it. Mm-hmm. Like that's, we did it. That's it. whether you're working at frog bones for your whole life or a couple of years, or you come back here or this falls tomorrow, mm-hmm. like our purpose doesn't change. And I think that's just super cool that we can use our, our passions in life to fulfill our purpose. So, yeah. And uh, one more thing about the network is I, I love, you know, I love your heart. I love your heart for God. I love your heart for people. Um, but I also appreciate, and I've always wanted to be part of something that is bigger than, um, <clears throat> need a cough button. I was going to say, are you crying now? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I can't uh, even handle my own emotions. <laughs> uh, God, not that something's bigger than God, but in that, like the network doesn't necessarily, like if you don't love God and you don't want to hear a show that's religious in that sense, or talking a lot about God, like I still want those shows to exist on the network. And there are other shows that are on the network, um, that aren't all about God, that are just all about personal growth or development or, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, just fitness or nutrition. And that excites me too, because Um, going back to the church conversation, one of the coolest, I guess, church moments for me was when I wasn't surrounded by a bunch of church people and I was involved in the Florida Tech football team and I wasn't getting, like, people weren't there for me. Like, I was there for them. And I think that, that um, I, I just really, and I know you do too, I really, like, understand the people that are turned off by God and turned off by Christianity Christianity. and turned off by Christian words. And like, there are people that are listening to this episode that, well, that were listening to this episode that may have tuned out because it was too much about God God. or it was too much about faith. There was too much. And I really, really, really respect that. And I understand that. And I myself have been in those seasons in life where as soon as someone gets all religious, as soon as someone gets all about God, like I turn it off because we want authentic and we want real and we want honest. And, uh, one of the greatest things, one of my old friends from Pennsylvania said to me is like, I stopped following you on social media. This was 10 years ago. Cause all you ever talk about is God. And it was like the most healthy thing I could ever hear because he was right. And it wasn't like, I wasn't living a balanced, real, honest life. And so that's what I want the network to be too. I, I don't, I, like I want it to be a, there's so much crap online. So I just want to, I just want the network to be a place where, there's like, it's a positive place. Yeah. There's, you know, if you want to talk about God, there's a show for you. If you just want to talk about health, health and fitness, there's a show for you. If you want to learn about finances, if you want to do mental health. So that that's always been my, my mission and my vision yeah. for the network. And so I hope that it continues to be that. I hope that more people like you come to the network and, and create shows and, and put good content out there in the world mm-hmm. because I don't want to be one of those crotchety people that complain about all the crap that kids listen to or the crap that's out there. Um, you gotta be part of creating something wholesome and wonderful and perfect. Um, and so yeah. that's what I hope the network becomes too. No, I like that too. Cause I definitely get challenged, um, in my own life with that. Like, all right, there's, and there's certain episodes that I have that are like, we don't, I mean, maybe we don't, I say we don't, but I always end up bringing God in, but that we don't really go there, which I think is super healthy as well, especially to grow me as a journalist and somebody that's like, yeah, I mean, I can't help but go there because that's who I am. Yeah. And like, I don't ever want to hide that. And not that, not that you're saying that I, 
I should or whatever. But I definitely am challenged by that too. Just like people like real authentic conversation. Like when I'm bartending like five nights a week, or if I go to the bar or go to a restaurant with friends, like they obviously I want them to see God in me, but I'm not like talking about sanctification and the redemptive process and pruning. I mean, I kind of did today, but you know, there's this level of like, people just want to be real. People want, Mm -hmm. want like at the end of the day at 2am, if they're throwing up, I want someone to call me. Right. Like that's what I want to be that person. Mm -hmm. So, and I think that's something too, that keeps you in this, keeps you kind of in the game. Like not that life's a game sometimes feels like it is, but (laughs) it keeps you in, like it keeps you in with the people that, that need you to meet them where they're at for lack of better words. And yeah. so I'm with you. There have been times where I'm like, I can't hear another Christianese church word. I need freaking meek mill right now. Like yeah. that's just where I'm at. But I think again, there's balance. I think your network, definitely your network, the network is, um, has a really good balance of that and welcomes people where they're at with the talents that they have. So they can just fly high like a kite. Yeah. And, and the other thing is like the, the people sitting in this room, the, creative people that was the other always been the heart of the network too is like to provide a place and hopefully a fairness to them because i you know grow growing up in church you see a lot of really smart talented creative hardworking people that don't necessarily get compensated or treated like they ought to and not that that's the church you know like there's a volunteering and serving the church is one thing but what i've noticed is I wanted to also the network to be a place for them as well, where they could go and use our gifts and hopefully be compensated fairly for that and be taken care of. Um, because, uh, the the creatives make the world go round. Mm -hmm. to be honest. And I love, I love people like the gift of photography or the gift of audio engineering or the gift of social media or, um, video editing or, you know, um, photo editing, like these people are talented individuals and really that's like the silent, um, backbone of the network. And so hopefully those people can come in to the network and now I'm sounding like an infomercial for the network, but I mean, I I don't think people understand (laughs) that. Check our ad in the paper. (laughs) Yeah. Nuts and bolts of what make the, they just see a podcast and they don't realize all the things that go, go into it. Oh, there's a lot. Right. Yeah. So, Yeah. Love it. All right. Before we get to the part of the show where I ask each guest to give a write it down, I didn't Dang. remind you of one. Yeah. I'm assuming you forgot the premise of the show. So I'm going to give you a second to like think of something yeah. um, clever. So I'll ask you a couple rapid fire questions. Okay. Job you would never want to work. Dang. Job I would never want to work. Um, like nail technician. Job I would never want to work. I hate trying on clothes. Dude, who tries on clothes a lot? Models? Kim K. Yeah. yeah so I, anything where you got to like try on a bunch of clothes. Oh, okay. Like a model. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I don't know why I hate trying on clothes. Like it just. Yeah. I don't know many people that get paid to do that besides like Kim K and like professional shoppers. I don't know. I've had, I've had, I've been a roofer. I've been, you know, I've had like really tough jobs. So I don't, I don't, um, any job where you got to sit still. Yeah. If I was, yeah. Like I, when frog bones first started, I had to work at like this counter and that was terrible. Like where you got to like, can I go to the bathroom or can I, can I walk away for five minutes? Like I, I, I'm not good at sitting still or sitting in one spot. I like being confined. Yeah. 
Okay, this question, I don't really know why I wrote this question. Yeah. It's like a this or that thing. Uh-huh. Dirt or sand? Dirt. Why? Uh, just, I used to, I, I, I used to, um, do heavy, heavy equipment and I love moving dirt and sand. I don't, it gets everywhere and like, yeah, so just dirt, but yeah. But like sand is, it follows you in your car. It gets on your clothes. Like when I go to the beach, like I constantly rinsing off and and getting all that stuff off me. I didn't grow up here. Okay. Fishing or hunting? Um, I just like going to Publix and get what I need. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, but even like as a hobby, neither. not even to okay. No, neither. Right. I, I don't. I, I don't have the patience for hunting and or, or for fishing and um. Yeah, the, neither. It's just a no. For yeah, you. it's just a okay. no. It's a hard no. I'd like to. How about golf? Oh, that's boring too. Okay, I don't have patience for that. Okay, if you had to skip a meal a whole year—breakfast, lunch, or dinner—what would it be? Well, interestingly, I just did three months of intermittent fasting where I had like a six and seven hour eating window and uh because of my schedule i had to give up breakfast which i thought i'd never want to give up breakfast um and it wasn't as bad as i thought but if i had to um i guess i guess breakfast but i love breakfast i know but like practically the way your day works out like you need food i i need food in the middle of the day like it's just like one of those things where you need something and you don't want to give up dinner because dinner is like where you decompress yes. and eat dinner. Yeah. Um, worst fear. Worst fear. Um, probably someone I love close, like that's really close to me dying. Yeah. Yeah. I try not to think about it. Sorry, <laughs> sorry to bring that up. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, a, it's no, it's real fear. Yeah. Um, all right. Last one. Favorite day of the year? Favorite day of the year? Probably Thanksgiving. It's a good day. Yeah. Grateful, food, football. Yeah. Family. Yeah. It's a good day. Thanksgiving. Love it. Okay. We're at the point of the show where I ask each guest, I'll give you, I'll just keep stalling until you can think of a write it down. Yeah, I, know I you cannot believe I didn't like strategically think about this. I can. I can yeah, really true. believe that yeah. because that's also true. just to kind of give those listening a hint of who Ethan is as a person. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so we were on the phone the other day and he's like, pretty much, okay, I'm done now. Like done <laughs> being on the phone. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, but I'm not, I'm yeah. still talking. Yeah. So that's how Ethan is. So it does not <laughs> surprise me that you don't have to write it down or know the premise of the show. Yeah. So I can keep telling stories about who you are as a person as you think of one, and you can just give me the head nod when you got one. Well, the thing is, I'm not worried about you telling stories about me. That's good. I don't mind. I don't know. I don't. The one that I just shared is pretty much like the common thread of who you are. Well, like, it's like, okay, I'm done. I think (laughs) stories are interesting in that that is your perspective, but I could, I could add color to that story that would, that would show people. The, a, a little bit more realistic picture of that story and that's why I'm not ever concerned about you telling your version because there's always what what's the phrase there's two sides to every, every story. story now do you happen to know at what minute in the conversation I said that statement like honestly yeah honestly because I know 
but let's just see what you <laughs> no, think it because, is. No, because, oh, that's another cool thing about Ethan, is he <laughs> keeps records of wrongs. No, it's not records when it, of wrongs. No, when it comes to communication, right? yes, you do. It's like... All right, but if you had to guess... You're like, what, you know what minute is? Because I wrote it in my book no, to blackmail Brooke. What a, what minute in the conversation did I Maybe say? Maybe like 40-something. You're right. Yeah. That's like... Yeah, but when somebody is talking to you about I something, was forty minutes, <laughs> fellas, fellas. I was forty some minutes into a conversation, I talked and to I you, just said, "All right." I talk like, to you like every six months. The guys in the room are like, "Bro, you're a saint. No. You made it forty minutes." When like, I talk to this is just a praise on Jordan Snell. When I talk to Jordan Snell, yeah, it is like I feel seen, I feel yeah. heard. Yeah, you know, normally Megan, his beautiful fiance, is around and she's hyping me up. Like we're yeah. just like collabing. Yeah. you you're like okay i gotta go yeah you know and don't even know the premise of my show for write it down which is why we're here i or, do know the premise or like the i'm like hey do you mind like responding to me within a reasonable time frame and you're like oh yeah well a year and a half ago you didn't respond to me in a reasonable time frame well like you do you do work <laughs> uh some crazy shifts so you i do i'll get off at a random time and just start to think about my show or something yeah, that i need and text at like 11 or, or 2 in the morning or 5 a.m if i'm training a class at trinity yeah and you'll be like why don't you get back to me and i do get back to you just <laughs> not in the hour <laughs> i get back to you within 24 hours yeah 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 i do minor details anyways what's your write it down um Just be grateful. It's really simple. Just be grateful. Be grateful. Just super simple. I like it. Write it down. Thanks, Ethan Sansoni. Thank you, Brooke Murata. Thank you for listening to the Write It Down podcast. This podcast is a part of the 1513 Network. You can catch a variety of shows on their website, 1513.com. If you enjoy listening to Write It Down, please subscribe, share with your friends, and if there's any ink left in your pen, write a review. For more content, follow the fun on Instagram by following at W-I-D-P-O-D. That spells WIDPOD. Super cool. Stands for Write It Down podcast, but it's abbreviated to WIDPOD. Anyways, thanks for listening, and we will catch you later.